back. Hey, Brett. How's it going today? Good, Anne. How are you? Good. So that means it's another week of Money in the Bank. Um, we've kind of taken a few weeks off here, but I promise we are going to be back and we're going to be really consistent now, right? Uh-huh. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We have a good lineup. We should be good to go. Um, all right, but I did not forget about the trivia question. So are you ready? Oh, can't we just not do this? No. So what percentage of millennials have nothing saved for retirement? Uh, since a lot of them are still in school. Uh, no, most millennials most really are aren't in oh, school that's true. anymore. A lot of them are. The, the range for millennials is ridiculous. Now right? there's the Tide Pod generation coming in behind them. Oh yeah, that's not even millennials anymore. That's not millennials anymore. That's their we, official name. We are not the Tide Pod generation. Oh, I don't know what their name is, but hey, we didn't eat Tide Pods, so that's good. All right. Um. So, all right. Some of them are still in school. A lot of them are not. So some of them are older than us as well, right? Yeah. So I think in general, it's like, and don't quote me on this, but it's probably like age twenty four ish to thirty five ish. Okay. Ish range. Um. So Pro- I mean, probably like let's well, say forty percent. Then probably don't really have much saved for retirement. Yeah. So sixty six percent of Ooh. millennials have nothing saved for retirement, which is alarming to me because. Most millennials are, you know, if they're still in school, it's more like a grad school. But, I mean, I would definitely say at this point, more than a third of millennials are definitely out of school with that age range. And, you know, once you hit 30, you should really definitely be saving for retirement. Um, So, you know, I actually teach a financial literacy class um, at the Boys and Girls Club. And I tell those kids, like, start as early as possible. So I had a friend who... Um, you know, he when he was even working when he was like 18, um, he could set up a IRA or a 401k through work, and he was just working at like a local grocery store, and they had that option available for him, so he started doing it. Um, and I encourage everybody, like you know, even if you can only put in ten dollars a paycheck, it is worth it because of compound interest. Right. Yeah. Definitely at that age, get as much money in the bank as you can, and then. You know, if you need play money later, then work for that later. Yeah. It's not worth as much. A fun thing I saw recently was if from age 20 to age 27, you contributed $200 a month, and then you stopped contributing to your retirement, you would still be a, over a millionaire by the time you hit age 65. Like $1.8 million. Just for contributing for eight years. Wow. So, yeah. Anyways, that's my spiel. Compound interest is your friend. If you are a millennial and you are listening to our podcast and you have not started saving for retirement, I'm going to need you to go right now and figure out how to start. Whether if if your boss has, you know, if your company has a 401k, do that. If they don't, open an IRA because it took you this long that, you know, whatever. You can't change the past, but you can start right now, right this second. So go. Um, okay. Right. And IRAs are easy. I started one of those when I was 16, I think, when I opened my first one just at the bank. Like, whatever. You know, it took, took 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, do you know what the t- um, subject matter is today, Brett? Uh, no. <laughs> you um, the itinerary, I think. So, it's going to be how to choose a financial planner. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to need your help on this one because... I have a very short answer to this, and I'm going to need you to help me probe into a long answer. So this one for me is easy because just 
go do my dad. Yeah, you're so you're, <laughs> your dad uh, definitely has been managing people's finances for quite some time, right? Yeah, and so you know, growing up with a dad as a financial planner, I've never really had to like ask myself this question because whenever I need a financial planner, I just call my dad and he takes me out to breakfast and we chat about things and it's good. Um, so, but luckily that also means I know a lot about financial planning because I grew up with a dad who was very willing to share with me the ins and outs of his industry. Um, so I actually have a lot of knowledge on this subject. I'd so, say. so let me back you up and I'll ask two questions. So first of all, what what defines a financial planner, right? Like, what are those criteria? What does that person help you with? Because I think there's a couple different types of roles out there, and the, that kind of work is divided amongst them. And the second question is, when would I or why would I ever need a financial planner? Gosh, you ask some hard questions. Um, so even within the realm of a financial planner, different ones might do different things. Um, they might be looking for totally different clients. So some are smaller time firms and they're wanting to help the average middle class person. Some financial planners will only take you on as a client if you already have a net worth of over a million dollars. So it's kind of hard to pin down exactly what a financial planner is, but in general, they're somebody who will overall look at your big picture and help figure out what blend of investments and life insurance or annuities you might need to, you know, successfully fulfill your goal, financial goals. And they help you figure out kind of what those goals are. Exactly. Um, but a lot of times, you know, okay, so let me back up a step too. So there's a couple different ways financial planners make their money. And let's be real, everybody needs to get paid, right? So I think sometimes this is kind of a taboo subject and people kind of get upset about how financial planners make money. Um, I know this has been like a huge thing in government regulations lately, which is why I bring that up. But realistically, they are they have to so to be a financial planner, you have to take a series of exams. So these are highly qualified individuals that are, you know, doing a job. So they do need to be compensated. Nobody right. can work for free. Just like you need to be a qualified CPA to in order to do tax attorney work, right? He has to pass similar exams to do financial planning. Correct. Um, so there's a couple different ways financial planners can get paid. So some will charge you a flat rate and they will say, when you come in, I'm, I, you know, it's $500 to meet with me and we're going to go over your plan. Um, now, the benefit here is sometimes these planners will recommend services that maybe they don't get paid from. So an example of that would be maybe you go to a financial planner and they're like, well, you're quite young. And so the right thing to do is to get an index fund through Vanguard, which has low fees, right? They might not make money selling you that product. So their flat rate fee of $500 is to um, get that covered, right? But here's where the industry can be a little bit sketchy. There are also people who charge a flat rate fee, but then they sell you products that have a commission baked into them. Now, as an actuary, I can speak on that a little bit. So when you buy a life insurance product or you buy an annuity, when we price the product, we bake in a commissions rate to pay the agent who sells that policy, right? Mm -hmm. The sales guy. So there are people out there who will charge you a flat rate fee, 
plus they will get you in a product that has a commission so they double dip and get twice the money. Mm-hmm. Now there's other planners who it's completely free to meet with and then they just take whatever commission the company pays them. So it's a little more honest than guy number one there, right? So it depends. Um, you know, a lot of government regulations are trying to shift more towards fee-based advising because they think it's more straightforward. But then you have to sell products that don't have the commission, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's done that way and you charge a flat fee that the customer can understand and then you don't double dip, who's to say what's better, right? I don't know. Um, everybody has an opinion about it, but... Either way, it, it's probably going to wash out to be about the same. Um, but yeah, it's that it's that middle guy that double dips that it really does give financial planners a bad rap. But you should always talk to them about what their fee structure is for their services. Um, you know, that, that shouldn't be a, a secret in the conversation that you're having with them or a surprise at the end of the conversation once you're ready to pull the trigger and like do some things, right? Understand that and be okay with it. Absolutely. And I, I would say if they're not willing to talk to you about their fee structure, they're probably not the right person to talk to. Um, I know my dad has always been very upfront with his clients about the fact that he gets a commission, you know, from the companies and nobody's ever had a problem with it, but he's willing to explain it and talk to him about it. And I think that's important. Right. And I, I think it's, I prefer that way personally, right? Because I've, I've worked with him as well. And uh, he's set things up for me that he gets a commission for that's like some percentage, right? Some really low percentage of whatever I invest into that. And it doesn't change all the time, right? His fee structure is great because it's not like he moves the money around. Then he gets more, you know, more commissions based on that. Cause a lot of guys in the financial industry for years have been doing that. Right. And those are the guys that are giving the entire industry bad raps because yeah. they're just like, taking little old ladies' money by moving them in and out of products like every year and they get a commission every time the money changes hands. Yeah, it's called churning and it's super frowned upon. And even as actuaries, we have to kind of pay attention to things. And if we notice that churning might be happening, we're like, whoa, whoa, we need to go, you know, talk to this agent to figure out if he has good reason for this. Um, But it still happens. And honestly, that's the reason this industry gets a bad rap. But You know, I wanted to go back to your question, too, about who needs a financial planner. And I would say most people, um, you know, I think the beauty of... And so there are a couple different terms here. So a financial planner, um, there's also another another industry coming out called financial coaching. Okay. Um, And that's more, you know, let's say you have a lot of debt or you're just like really in over your head and you don't understand credit cards or you don't understand the path to get a house. Um, A financial coach might help walk you through these big life milestones where a financial planner is gonna be a little bit more focused on, okay, now you're finally starting to have some assets. How can we structure them to benefit you the most? Um, A financial planner is who you're gonna wanna go to if you need life insurance, which most people at least should, you know, especially if you have kids or if you have a house, look into getting at least a term policy, you know, to cover the decreasing um, term on your mortgage. Or, you know, if you have kids and you want to make sure you have some extra coverage while they're young in case something were to happen to you, you know, grab some term insurance. I also think whole life we've talked about before, that can be a really great tool for everybody to have a little bit of whole life because there's a lot of really creative things that you can do with it 
you know, once you get closer to end of life, even before you die. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things you would go to a financial planner for. You would also go to them, you know, let's say you have a lump sum of money and you're about to retire and you are concerned about trying to figure out how to have a guaranteed stream of income coming in to, you know, last you from when you retire to when you die. That's a huge problem facing baby boomers right now. Um, it's, you know, they have these 401k cash outs and they're like, what do I do? You know, I have $500,000. How do I structure this to last me the rest of my life? Right. And I think, I mean, we have personally talked to several people now that have been close to retirement age or in retirement age, and they thought they had done the calculations correctly for what they needed for the rest of their life. And that was not the case, right? And right. They, they will run out of money by this day based on what they have right now, you know, assuming that they're going to continue spending how they're spending right now in retirement. And right. So I think that's a great use case for somebody that should just double check with a financial planner to say, you're you know you're on track or you're not even close. Right. right. Well, and I would take that a step further to even if you're in your 40s and 50s and trying to figure out if you're on track to save for retirement or not on track, meeting with a financial planner, they might be able to walk you through like here's where you should get your savings to and here's, you know, some different tools you can use to get there. Um and so, you know, another so I the first time that I went to a financial planner that wasn't my dad was when I was 19 years old. And it's because I wanted to invest in mutual funds. But at 19, I wasn't comfortable figuring that out on my own. So I went to a financial planner. Um, My dad at that time didn't have have his Series 7, which he does now, but you need that to sell um, investments. A different license or a different test. So there's all sorts of different license, but you need your Series 7 to sell investments. So, you know, I went to a different guy and he was very upfront again about his, you know, commission structure, but he helped me, you know, based on my risk tolerance, he helped me build a portfolio of mutual funds that fit my specific requirements. And this was super helpful for me at that age, because like I said, I didn't, you know, I knew I wanted to put my money into the market, but I didn't really know what that meant. So sometimes they can be really helpful for something like that. Now, I will say, you know, so if you go to a financial planner in that capacity, your expense to them, you're probably going to pay about three quarters of a percent of a commission. But honestly, like that to me is a pretty small price to pay if you have no idea what you're doing and you're the type of person that will get scared when the market goes down and pull your money out. And that's a, I guess that's a secondary effect of having that person there is they're, they're a safeguard against you making a bad decision that is going to negatively affect you uh, because you're, yeah, because of fear, right? Exactly. Uh, or because you want access to that money that you shouldn't be touching because it's a really bad idea. It's a bad investment strategy to pull that money out because that's the money that is making you the most return. And so you shouldn't touch it. But, oh, yeah, I want to go buy this, like, new coffee pot or whatever (laughs) like um, and I'm gonna go pull this money out of my investment account to do so this person's gonna be like well let's you know let's look at that a different way right yeah and I think you know that's what I've seen that's the value I've seen my dad add quite a bit back you know he'll have a client call him up and be like okay I want to go buy a car so I'm gonna take out thirty thousand dollars and 
you know, he'll, he'll be like, well, wait, you said that this, you know, this was your fun for your, you know, 12 year old to go to college in six years. And if you pull this money out, is, are you going to be able to afford that goal still? Um, so it's kind of nice because you have that sense check of like, oh, I put this in for a reason. And that doesn't mean, you know, I don't want to scare anybody. That doesn't mean that they won't give you access to your money, but it just means that if it goes off of the plan that you originally set, they will kind of ask you a few follow-up questions to be like, are you sure you want me to initiate this withdrawal? Which I think is a really good thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so so I, I wanted to throw that out there because, you know, a lot of times on this podcast, we talk about Vanguard and getting index funds through Vanguard, which is, you know, very low expense ratio. And it's quite easy. You know, we just go with the S&P index fund. And, you know, even Warren Buffett said that the, like, that's his advice. Warren Buffett actually doesn't even recommend his own fund. He recommends people invest in index funds, which is hilarious, right? Um, (laughs) Which, and it's even funnier because he consistently beats these index funds, but he's like, I understand that I'm a statistical outlier. Uh, So it's kind of funny, but maybe just weird investment humor to me. I don't know. Um, so, you know, I think, but that's another thing. So we do talk about Vanguard funds a lot and, you know, we go with them personally. I am right now because well, one for diversification, because we've already invested money in, you know, different funds through financial planners. And so why not pick some other funds and get some diversification? Um, and also because I actually just really enjoy reading about these things. So, you know, like, Brett, I'm sure you can, you know, testify, but I'll come to you or I'll look at your 401k and be like, oh my gosh, like you have this fund that I've been following for five years and I've always wanted to buy. And so... And I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Like, uh... <laughs> I am like for sure an anomaly. Um, and so for me, it's kind of fun. It, you know, it's my hobby that to invest in some of this stuff on my own. For a lot of people, that's not their hobby. So why not... You know, sometimes it's worth it to pay an expert to have their help doing this. Because this is, right, and this is one of the areas, and I, I'm a stickler for, like, not paying people for services, right? Like, most of the time I'm very frugal about where I spend my money, right? Or, or I'm afraid of being taken advantage of by people when I don't know the area of what they're talking about is. This is one area where if you have somebody that is recommended to you or you know that they're a trusted advisor. Uh, obviously, you know your dad is, is very good at this. He's extremely good at this. He, he's flown all over the country to give presentations because he's one of the best <laughs> in the country about it, good at this. Um, and uh, he's super trustworthy. So it's extremely value add because his advice is going to make you money. Right. right? It is going to absolutely make your future better than what you're doing right now. Because there's like a hundred percent chance that you're not doing everything in the most optimal way, uh, right? And he's got a lot of experience across a lot of people in probably similar situations to what you're experiencing. So, right, he has a lot of influence over the right decision making. Right. And so, yeah, kind of going back on that note, um, I wanted to. I, I really want to try to answer this question very well in an unbiased way. Um, so, another thing I wanted to bring up is there's different types of agents. So there's captive agents and independent agents. 
And a captive agent is one that works for one company and they're completely compensated by that company. Um, and a lot of times they still work off of commissions, but they can only sell that specific company's product line. Independent agents can compare like 20 different companies or more. They work with a lot of different companies and they can sell any of those products. So I also recommend finding an independent agent because, um, you know, this is something I've learned after living with a financial planner for so many years is usually a company will have, you know, a certain product that is beneficial to a certain situation, but it'll cost more for, you know, maybe they're specifically targeting, you know, 50 year olds with this amount of money, right? And so if you fall out of that category, their product is just going to cost you more money. Where if you go to an independent agent, they can be like, okay, given your portfolio, I can plug it in and get quotes from 20 different companies and find you the exact best product for you. Right. And we've, we've talked about this before with using insurance brokers also. Uh, you know, similar approach. They have a million different products that they can get access to depending on where their brokerage firm you know, works with. So comparing multiple brokerage firms, they get access to a much broader portfolio of products. One of those is going to be great for you, opposed to just going to one company and only looking at the couple products they have, you're, you're, you've already lost before you even get started, right? Right. So this is, this is on the financial side of things, the investment side of things, the insurance side of things. Right? The financial planner has access to a lot of these different products is what you're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. So... Well, let's see. Do you, I mean, do you have any other questions about how you go about finding one or should I try to recap some of what I've said and we can. So if you, if you have a good tip about that, that would be my biggest concern is I I don't know how to find somebody or vet somebody that is credible, right? How do I find somebody that is like not just going to take $500 from me for an initial session or whatever, where, and what should that cost, I guess. Um, yeah, and just run away with the money, I guess. Yeah, so, you know, this is where it can be a little bit difficult. Um, so I would recommend, you know, Google is your friend. So I would recommend, you know, pull up a few in your area and give them all a call and see what, you know, I know for, you know, I know from experience, like my dad's initial meeting is free. He just wants to get to know you, get to know what your picture is and see how he can help you. Um where if you go to a fee-based person, it's probably going, you know, even your first session will cost you money. But, you know, check out their website. See, like, do they just charge a fee? And they do they sell products that really don't have a commission? Or are they double dipping? Because a lot of those guys are. Um, and it also depends what you're looking for. So, you know, if you're young, if you're in your 20s and 30s, and you just want to start investing in a mutual fund, then just make sure you're finding somebody with their Series 7s. And, you know, make sure they have the qualifications, I guess, you're looking for at any age. So, so, so what are those checkboxes? What are those qualifications? So it, this is where it gets a little bit difficult because it, it depends what you're looking for. So there's like FCLU is one. Um, there's all these different letters. But I would really just recommend like finding some and then, you know, just Google what those letters mean and see like... Is this the one for investments? Is this the one for life insurance? Because there's a lot of different ones and 
you know, even even for life insurance, there's a couple different ones you can get. So I don't want to sit here and say you have to have these designations. And it's not an industry norm to like have like a kind of review service or do these guys all have Facebook pages or... A lot of these guys have Facebook pages. A lot of them probably have Google, you know, websites too, um, or Google reviews. So... You know, but I think the big thing is hop on, find like narrow it down to like three or just pick three and then, you know, message them, see, see what they're, see what it would be take to get an initial meeting with them. And, you know, a lot of times on their website too, you can get a feel for if they're looking more to target high wealth individuals or if they're looking to target middle class. And, you know, depending on where you fall in life, you definitely prioritize looking for the one that fits your needs. So, you know, I don't have a cookie cutter answer because honestly, you do still have to put a lot of research into this. But the big thing is make sure you feel like it's a good fit. Because if you walk into a conversation with somebody and you're like, "Eh, I feel like they're kind of trying to rip me off, then you're never going to be comfortable trusting them with your money. Right. If they're if they're trying to sell you something before they've sat down with you and talked about what your roadmap is going to be and what that looks like, then... That, that would make me feel uncomfortable, right? And I would probably want to back out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, I would just find somebody who's willing to sit down and talk about your goals first before they even try to sell you a product, right? Um, so there's a lot of value add that these guys can have, but definitely be choosy and, you know, don't be afraid to meet with somebody and be like, hey, they weren't the right fit for me and not move forward with them. You know, I'm sure... I'm sure that's never a fun thing to do, but it's definitely worth it in this scenario. So, you know, the big thing is just make sure, you know, when you're looking at their websites, they they have things listed that you want because there are some guys that are only licensed to sell life insurance. So if you're looking to get investments and you you talk to somebody who can't sell you investments and that's not a good fit, right? Right. So definitely just... You, you you know, it's it's a little bit hard. You kind of have to do a lot of research, but it's it's really worth it. Um, honestly, word of mouth is probably the best thing you can do. Just start asking your friends. Like, hey, you know, do you know of a good financial planner in the area? Because you'd be surprised. A lot of people actually do use them and, and could easily point you in the right direction. I mean, yeah. I mean, your dad is one of the busiest person I, people I know. So uh, somebody's using them. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and you know, a lot of times, so, you know, maybe you already have like a mortgage broker you like, or maybe you have a real estate agent you like, ask them. Because a lot of these people go to business networking groups together. Like our, our real estate agent and our mortgage guy and my dad all actually are in the same business networking group. And our attorney. And, and our attorney <laughs> and our contractor. Um, but yeah, so sometimes, you know, through these channels, you can find really good people too. Mm-hmm. So ask people in the business yep. or ask other people with a lot of money. What do they do? Yeah. <laughs> what do they use? Um, and so, okay. So let me circle back to the second question then is uh, the way you've kind of described a financial planner seems to cover a lot of the bases. So then what does a coach do? Yeah. So a coach is more before you get to the step where you're ready for a financial planner. So that's kind of when you're maybe in a lot of debt or, you know, you haven't really started saving any money yet. And so, you know, if you, if you don't have an emergency fund, then you can't even really think about your midterm or long-term money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so really a financial coach is to help get you on track from the get-go. So, but I guess not necessarily, you know, not from the get-go as an age thing, but more as a 
financial perspective. So it doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, if you, you know, if you have some stuff that needs to be smoothed out, a lot of financial coaches work in a very different way. They're not going to sell you a product at all. Um, most of them cannot refer investments. They don't have the certifications that a financial planner has, right? Okay. What they're going to do is sit down with you and get an idea of where your current financial picture is and what your budget looks like and help you figure out how to optimize that to accomplish your shorter term financial goals of getting out of debt or starting to save money so that and then you in a way you kind of like graduate and go up to a financial planner. Um, so this is, you know, this is a little bit different target audience. This is more for the people who, you know, have a harder time staying on track with their budgets. Then you have a, right, so it, you kind of think of it that way. Like you hire a coach to help mentor you and advise you and keep you on track, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't really for the people who have always been good with money or, you know, have already have a plan to pay stuff down. This is more your budget's kind of been going rogue and you need somebody to help you rein it in. Right. If you are in a lot of debt and it's been that way for years and you want to start saving or you want to start having kids or right, how do you how do you make a life change here? Or um, if you find yourself not being able to get above water and you maybe you have a good job, but you're not saving money year over year, you feel like you're spending more money than you're bringing in still, right? Somebody that can help you like get some of those things on track and maybe cut out some of the inefficiencies in your life to, to put you ahead long term. Exactly. Okay, yeah. cool. So how do I find that person then? That's, that sounds like it would be more beneficial for a lot of listeners maybe. Yeah, so this is uh, definitely a newer market on the scene. So, you know, if you Google financial coach, you might not have one in your area yet. Um, so it depends on what your comfort level is. If you're willing to work online, then, you know, you can find one maybe in a different part of the states and work with them. Um, or again, ask around, ask networking groups. A lot of what I find lately is on Facebook, you know, asking through like different networking groups on there. So you might be able to find like a local person doing it that way. Um, but if you're looking to find one online, this is where it definitely pays to shop around and email and ask questions because these fees range like crazy. Some people are charging like $200 for a package. Some people are charging $2,000 for a package. Is the person charging $200 bringing you that much less value than the person charging $2,000? My guess is no. Um, <laughs> you know, it it really just depends. So don't like I would just really pay attention to the fee ask questions ask what value they can bring you and don't be afraid to ask you know because they don't have the same professional designation or qualification so don't be afraid to ask like why should I trust you or what do you have you know how have you learned to do this what's your story don't be experience exactly so don't be afraid to ask questions again i think that's a big thing with a lot of this you have to make sure you're a good fit because if you're not a good fit on either side you know i've helped a lot of people um i wouldn't say i've been a financial coach but in a way with my immediate friends i have been i've helped a lot of people budget i've helped a lot of people set goals to save for houses or pay off debt and there are definitely people that we just don't mesh well because I 
you know, I'll set a budget for them and they're just like, oh, I, you know, I just couldn't do it because I had to buy a new pair of shoes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like your <laughs> shoes are more important than paying off this credit card debt that's earning interest at almost 30%. Um, and I will never understand that. So I think you have to, again, make sure that you mesh. And, you know, if you're that person that's like, I need my, you know, $100 a month shoe budget, then find a coach that is like, oh yeah, I have one of those too and we can work around that. Not the coach that's like, you absolutely can't do that. But again, I'm that person, so stop doing that. Like if you're in that much debt, that's $1,200 a year. What are you doing? Um, so anyways, it's a, it's a big personality thing at that point. That's so many cheeseburgers and so much failure for future self. So much, so many cheeseburgers. All right. Well, do you, is that about, did I wrap it up pretty well or? I, I think so. I think we covered the basis of who is a financial planner? How do you go about finding one? Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the fee structuring and kind of what that looks like, the value add. I even think if you're going to work with somebody that has an upfront fee of a couple hundred bucks, I mean, it's probably still worth it, right? I mean, that's a scary upfront investment for working with somebody that you don't, aren't familiar with and aren't familiar with what they're going to do. And you can't see the intrinsic value of what they're going to do for you. But, uh, you know, that information is valuable over time and they can very very easily save you a couple hundred bucks in maybe even the first couple months depending on what your situation looks like right um certainly within a year right uh and if you find out that that's not the case then maybe you should look for somebody else right yeah um, but you also have to be willing like you can't just be like i'm gonna pay this person 200 dollars, and they're magically gonna get me out of debt right it's yeah, like i'm gonna to- pay them 200 dollars, and then I'm also going to be part of the team and, you know, get this knocked out. Right. Um, and by the time you go to a financial planner, you know, if you're up, if you're doing a fee-based one and paying, you know, $500 for that initial meeting or $1,000 or whatever it may be, it, it needs to be the same situation of, like, you're not just going to go to them and then magically have a great retirement. It's like, you're going to go to them and they're going to give you advice and a plan, but you have to follow it. Right. And it's no different if you were going to, like, football summer camp and they told you to run a mile every day and you didn't run a mile ever the entire camp. And by the end of the season, you couldn't keep up with the rest of the guys. Uh, you know, whose fault was that, right? So you paid for this camp and you didn't get anything out of it because you didn't put anything into it and you didn't listen, right? So exactly. You got to listen. You got to be. You got to be part of the team. You got to. You got to put the money where they tell you to put it or get, get the investments where they tell you to invest it. But you got to. You got to make sure you understand and you agree with those strategies too. Just don't take blind faith. Exactly. And you know, if you go to a planner and they are every year coming back to you and saying, "Oh, we're going to change your life insurance or we're going to change your annuity." Uh, no, leave them. <laughs> you know, that's that's a mistake. And, you know, another thing, I think annuities are something that have a lot of confusion. So ask questions. Make sure that you are buying what you think you're buying. Because some annuities, they're, they're uh, um, life certain, right? So if you die, there's nothing anymore. Um, and then there's some that have a guaranteed death benefit on them. So if you die, then it pays out a death benefit to your heirs. But I think not knowing that can cause some friction because let's say you get an annuity when you're 74, just throwing that out there, right? And you expect, and it's going to pay you for the rest of your life. Well, then let's say at 77, three years into it, you get hit by a bus, right? Well, 
if you just put, you know, let's say a quarter of a million dollar nest egg into that annuity and it only paid you out for three years and then you died, your family is probably going to be like, where did the rest of that money go? But if you didn't get any sort of guaranteed benefit, you know, or even like a return of premium on it, they're not going to get any money back. So make sure you're asking these questions because otherwise you're sold something that really the product is working as it was intended to, but you maybe you just didn't understand what you were buying. And this is where a financial planner should really be adding a lot of value to be able to explain this to you. Right, because half of what you just said was like super confusing. So uh, definitely ask the what if <laughs> scenarios of, you know, if, if you're getting an annuity, like what happens if I die early? Like what happens if, uh, you know, I miss a payment? What happens, you know, ask all those things. And there's usually settings on that annuity in, in some way where you can turn stuff on and off yeah and may, it might change what it costs overall but you know that and and those settings may be different based on what company provides you with the annuity and rate. you know we always so. describe it as a cafeteria plan so think of the annuity as the tray right because everybody gets an annuity but then you can put on mashed potatoes or you could put on turkey or you could get that snack pack but Maybe you don't want the turkey, so you put it back and you just keep the snack pack. These are kind of all the different riders or features that you can turn on and off. But it's important to know what you're getting um, because, you know, there's fixed annuities, there's variable annuities, and then there's fixed indexed annuities. Um, so some of them you can earn money kind of in relation to the market, and some of them are just a fixed rate. And then, you know, the fixed index ones, they're kind of a blend of like you can earn money, but then there's a guaranteed rate that it won't fall below. Um, and so, again, there's there's a lot of different things there, but just the main idea is make sure you find somebody that you're willing to ask questions to because otherwise you're going to be upset or disappointed if things don't work out as you thought they might. Right, and especially take advantage if you are going to pay somebody for this, whether it's an upfront cost, you know, which some a lot of, you know, a lot of people are moving to that model so it's not uncommon, or they get the commission-based fees, right? They're, you're still paying them either way. Um, learn something from the process, right? Take something out of it. Learn about the annuities, learn what you're buying. Uh, you know, ideally before you buy it, um, but certainly as you have it and as you watch this thing or as you're, as it's a part of your family now, if you buy an annuity or, or anything else, uh, right, in the entire financial stack, um, learn what it is, how it works, uh, whether it makes sense for you to adjust it or whatever, right? Uh, but just don't just buy something and just like lock it in a safe somewhere and say, well, I got it if this happens and then just tell your attorney about it and put it in the will and close the door, uh, you know, try and figure it out. And you'll learn about that a little bit. And, you know, you got what you paid for. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we answered that pretty well. So if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to us and let us know, and we will drop our contact information in. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.